You know, as we sang that song, it reminded me just how many names God has. And he is worthy of all of them. And as we sang that, I started thinking about some of the names that I have called God. There's been times where I praised him by calling him one of his names, or there's been times where I needed him, and so I called him according to that name based on my own need. And I thought about the fact that I have called him Father. And I have called out to him, God, be my Savior. And I've called, I've said, God, I need you to be my healer in this moment. And those names have been a way to help me understand who God is and also to ask him for his help. So I want to do something a little different right now. I want you to take a minute and think about the names of God that you have needed in the past. Or maybe even the name of God that you need right now. For me right now, I need God to be my passion. So take a moment and think, what is that name that you need in your life right now from God? Shout it out. I mean, actually, shout it out. Peace. My guide. All in all. I didn't hear it. Say it loud. Jehovah. What else? There are more than four people in this room that need God right now. My rock. My refuge. My light. Protector. Strength. Say it again. Okay. My shepherd. He is all these things and more. Let's pray and praise him for who he is. Father, you are worthy of your name. The name that couldn't even be described, just I am. God, we thank you for being creator. We thank you for being savior, redeemer, sustainer the lifter of our head. And Father, now would you be the word for us. I pray that you would speak through Chad right now for what you want us to hear of your name. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. turn in your Bibles to the book of Ephesians, still in Ephesians chapter 1. We will 
continue in our series here. I was listening to a, a podcast for preachers this past week, and it stirred in me this sweet reminder of how much I love this time uh, each Sunday. I mean, it's preaching time. And uh, I don't just love it because I get to preach, but because we get to look at the Word of God as the family of God, seeking to hear from God Himself. I'm, I'm telling you, I love the music portion of our worship together. Uh, I don't even really know if we realize how good we have it with the leadership we have. Um, even just as an example, the song we sang, um, uh, Open Heaven, that new one, David wrote that. And uh, just the giftedness that we have and the willingness to share that with us and uh, to, to point us to Christ through each song. I, I, I genuinely enjoy that. Uh, there's, just, there's just something about preaching time. In particular, today, preaching time uh, is made all the sweeter because it feels really pastoral. I mean that, meaning that there's a difference, maybe you don't know this, but uh, there's a difference between when I get to preach to like, my people and when I just preach to some people. Um, not that I am some like traveling preacher who's, you know, a global sensation or something. Um, but, but when I have those opportunities to preach to people that I don't quite know as well, um, it doesn't, it doesn't uh, feel the same coming from me. I don't know how it feels to the listener, but um, I mean, even as I was thinking about, as we were standing there singing, certainly, as I think about praying open heavens, like, we need you. I'm thinking about uh, those in the room who... I've heard from you, even this week and the last month, hard, hard things happening. Doctor visits that you wish hadn't gone the way that they went. Hospital stays that you wish you just hadn't have had to have. Visitors to counselors, visitors to the principal's office that you wish you didn't have to go to. The, the, all of those things and you didn't get the job promotion that you wanted. And, and so when I hear you singing, worthy is your name. I'm not just hearing people who have everything going right for them singing that. And so similarly, when I stand before you today saying these words from God, uh, it's different because I get to this enormous blessing of getting to be your pastor so don't just get to preach the word to people I don't know, but very much to people that I love. And I, I think about how Paul was writing this to people that he knew, right? So we remember from our first 
sermon from Ephesians that, that this was written to the church at Ephesus, but also to other churches surrounding Ephesus, that he most likely was at all of those, that he was a, a part of planting, establishing these churches, potentially even leading these people to Christ for the first time. So you can imagine then his pastoral word to them was just different. And so this, this, these few verses that we're going to look at today, it's, it's in many ways, it's like a prayer from Paul to or for his dear friends. And I want you to know that these are prayers that I have prayed about you. Uh, and I will continue to do so. I've been challenging you each week to read the entire letter in one sitting. And, and I've been saying, okay, do it again. And, and so I want to challenge you to do it again this week, but I want to, uh, to lengthen that a little bit because every time you notice that Paul says, thank you to God for something, I want you to thank God for that. Whenever you, when you see God, or when you see Paul asking God for something, ask God. Whenever you see God, see Paul, I keep doing that, see Paul praising God, Praise him. Like, see this in that kind of way. Let it, let it uh, drive you in your prayer time. But I do. I want you to, to read the, the letter in its entirety in one sitting. And don't forget, uh, we're still reading through the Bible together, so don't forget to pick up your September card to see what, where we read next this week. So let's do this. Let's, let's jump into to verse 15 and following together. Ephesians chapter 1, beginning in verse 15. For this reason, because I've heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe? According to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named. Not only in this age, but also in the one to come. He put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. This is the word of the Lord. Like, so, so as I think about this, this like prayer from Paul, I think about three particular things that he is doing at, like, in his prayer. And I want us to lead us to do the same. First, thank God. Like, that's the very thing he does. Verse 15 for this reason, because I've heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and love toward all the saints, I do not cease in giving thanks for you. Right? What is, what is he thankful to God about? First, for the church's faith. I will tell you, church, I really do love you. 
Like I, I enjoy being your pastor and I am overjoyed to watch you live out faith. And I, I know that you are trusting God in a variety of ways. And one of the ways we see that, that I get to watch that in you, is as you honestly, like taking a step of faith in your giving. Like we are, we, I've been asking a lot of you. Not only that we would give faithfully and responsibly, like sacrificially, joyfully to the Lord in our regular tithes and offerings, that that would be what we normally do. But I'm asking that you would do more. That we would be more sacrificial. And we would do more for the sake of the nations. That we would get out of debt. And so there's this whatever it takes campaign, right? Where we're trying to say we want to raise an additional $5 million so that we can send more to the nation so that we can be out of debt, so that we can do more for the glory of God. Like that's, that's what we're doing. And so I'm watching you live that out. Like when you, you're taking steps of faith, when you like click on the online giving or when you put your offering in the box, like you are, you are taking those steps of faith and saying, okay, I'm trusting, I'm trusting you God to do what only you can do with this, as I steward these resources. This is, this is obedience. I, I, I can't tell you how, uh, how exciting it is to, to watch and, and observe that in you. And by the way, if, this is, uh, if that's not you, I'm, consider this a challenge. Do that. But I think about other steps of faith, right? Just a few weeks ago, we, we sent 30-some people to another church on the other side of town. And it looked like, at least to me, that you celebrated that. Now, maybe you were just good fakers, but like, uh, it felt like we were celebrating that together, right? And we were rejoicing that we, we saw a need, that there's a, there's a need for the gospel to be even on that side of town, that's like not that far away. And so we said, let's, let's send people to establish a church that the, the name of Christ might be lifted up so that people will know who Jesus is right on the other side of town. Let's, let's do that. That's, that's faith. Those people weren't just some like B-team players, right? Those were life group leaders, elders, deacons. Uh, those were uh, praise team members, instrumentalists. We're talking about key people that we're saying, God, we trust you. We believe that this is your plan for making disciples of all nations. So we'll send them. We'll, we'll let them go. We'll encourage them to leave. That's the opposite of church growth plan one-on-one. Send people away. There's other families that we said, hey, like, we're sending you to another country, another nation. Church, that's, that's faith that I'm getting a front, a literal front row seat to watch in you. Like, you want to talk about like, this? You are often on my lips before the Lord. I, I thank God daily that I get to be a part of you. Like, this, is, this is delight like no other delight. I, I thank God for the church's faith and for the church's love. Like just, just like that's what it says, like love toward all the saints. Heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints. So, hey, kids, I want you to do this. All the kids, pay attention. I want you to draw something about the church that you love. Something you love, like maybe, maybe, maybe there's someone you love at the church. You love your life group teacher. You love, uh, you love 
some, like the, the time in large group, you love uh, the small group time, you, this could be your favorite time, right? It's my favorite time, maybe it's yours. Preaching time, your favorite time. Well, draw that out. Draw your favorite thing, the thing you love about the church. And I wonder about those adults in the room, what would you draw? Who might you draw? You know, just, just last week, I presented 16 people that you affirmed into our membership, so new members into the church, and we, we celebrated that. But I would guess if you asked any of them, hey, why, why did you choose Colonial Heights? I mean, they're going to say some things. Hopefully, they, and they were thankful for music that pointed them to Christ, someone who preached the word of truth. But I would bet that all of them would say, you know, we, we felt loved. And I, I would say that all of them that I have talked to would say that. We felt cared for in our life group. We felt like we actually had a place. Someone would check on us if we were gone. You know, one actually expressed this, that uh, they had not been to church in a while. Came to church on their first Sunday. Never, did not know anybody here. And walked in and were greeted. You know those people that wear like welcome t-shirts? Like, Anybody know what I'm talking about? There's not enough head nods. Okay, thank you. Uh, those, they were actually greeted. And then they said, hey, would you like to sit with me? And they, they had somebody to sit with. They had somebody to go to life group with them. I don't know if you realize, like those kind of things make a massive difference. Like you should be that person. Many of you are that people. You don't have to wear a welcome t-shirt. You could just actually be welcoming. It's okay. Like that's it. Like this is what's happening. And I'm, I'm getting to, to look and hear those kinds of stories of people who said, I, I didn't know what it was gonna be like, but I felt loved. Somebody wanted to sit with me. Somebody wanted to study the word of God with me. Somebody said, hey, let's go to lunch after. These are, these are the pictures that I, I get to celebrate. I'm gonna be honest. Like the, the preacher groups around town, they don't always like it when I come because I got good stories to tell. And they're like, no, I need you to bemoan with me all of the heartache. I'm like, I'm, I'm more into the like, man, we got, this is good. So I, I'm just telling you, I'm, I'm thankful for you. And so I, I echo the words of Paul. Like when I hear of your faith, when I watch your faith, when I watch your love for one another, I thank God. And I hope that that is something you are doing. You are looking around and saying, God, thank you. Thank you for putting me in a church that loves each other. Thank you for, for putting me in a church that, that displays faith. Thank you. Thank you for like, the experience I'm getting to have with my life group that we care for each other in these ways. By the way, we're, we're not the only church that has that. Don't be misled. Uh, but that's what the church is supposed to be. So I thank God in that. But right out of that, Paul Paul asks something from God, right? So, so he says, I do not cease to give thanks, remembering you in my, ver my prayers, verse 16, now in verse 17, so that, or that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. He's asking God that the people of God will know the goodness of God, to know his goodness. This is what, He's asking, oh God, like you are good and, and you have, I'm thankful for these people, for these that you have called to live out in faith and to love one another. I'm thankful, but, but let them know you. 
So he asked for that in two ways. One, let them know the wisdom. The book of James tells us to ask for wisdom and he will give us wisdom. If you want to know what to pray for me, the first thing on the top of your list, always pray that I would have wisdom. Because here's the the reality about that request. I, I want to stay away from sin and temptation takes wisdom. I want to lead my family well. I want to balance work and home life. Wisdom. I want to to give sacrificially. I want to be an example for that. Wisdom. I want to know when I'm supposed to share and when I'm supposed to be silent. Wisdom. Over and over and over. I need wisdom. I want to know, how do I rightly divide the word of God before you each week? How do I study right? How do I deliver it right? So I I want wisdom for that. Do you ask for wisdom? Not just like knowledge so that you'll know more than the next guy. Wisdom. So you'll know how to apply the knowledge that you do have. Because even when he's asking in this very verse, when he uses that word knowledge, he's asking for the revelation in the knowledge of him. He's asking like for, like, I want you, God. I wonder which one we do more often. Do we ask God just for stuff from him? Or do we ask for him? It's one of the things I loved about that song, open heaven, spirit pour out like, rain down. We want the Spirit of God. I know that we're Southern Baptists. We get a little afraid of that third person of the Trinity, but like, he's God. We want him. Right? So, so ask, ask that. God, we want to know your goodness. Give us wisdom. Give us the revelation of yourself in your word. Like, give us this. Be satisfied in, in him alone. So ask God to, to know his goodness and to experience his gospel. That's why he describes this in verses 18 and 19. Having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? What is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his great might? What is it that we're asking for in this gospel uh, experience? You need, to, you need to know this. The gospel is not just simply like walking the aisle, saying some prayer and getting dunked in some water. In fact, that's not the gospel. The gospel is a life, like, is the fact that God gives you all that you need in himself. That you repenting of your sin and trusting in Jesus, turning away from your sin and yourself and trusting in Jesus. Repent and believe. And that's not just a one-time deal. That is for your life. You want to have hope, like this kind of hope that anchors us? This is that hope. Think about it, like the hope that, that is an anchor, that, that when we hit all of the, the, the crashing waves hit us, Those ones I was talking about earlier, when you're in the doctor's office, when you're in the principal's office, when you're in your kid's principal's office, when you're having that hard conversation with your spouse, when you're looking at your bank account, 
when you're wrongfully looking on the internet? And you need, you need an anchor that, that brings you back to the truth. This hope. This hope that says, no matter what wave crashes, whether I brought the wave by my own sin, my own like, going away, or the wave that was brought about because of sin in the world. There's a hope. So there's something for right now, for every day. This is that gospel. And there's an inheritance, right? Look at that passage of scripture again. Verse 18, which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? So there's something that we get now, hope for right now, but there's also something that's going to come. An inheritance comes later. What is that inheritance received? It's heaven, right? It's eternity with God. And I know that I would not do near as good of a job as Revelation 21 would do in describing heaven. So let's look there. Revelation 21, I'll, I'll read it to you. It says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, adorned for her husband. I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be no mourning nor crying nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. He who is seated on the throne said, Behold, I'm making all things new. Also, he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, it is done. I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty, I will give from the spring of the water of the life without payment. The one who conquers will have this heritage, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, uh, and all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. I mean, he, he carried John away in, in the spirit to a great high mountain. Showed me, he says, showed me the whole holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, having the glory of God, its radiance like a most rare jewel, like a jasper, clear as crystal great high wall with 12 gates at the gates, 12 angels. And on the gates, the names of the 12 tribes of the sons of Israel were inscribed. Three gates on the east and on the north, three gates on the south, three gates on the west, three gates. And the wall of the city had 12 foundations on them, the 12 names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. The one who spoke with me had a measuring rod of gold to measure the city and its gates and its walls. The city lies four square, its length, the same as its height and width. And he measured the city with his rod. 12,000 stadia in its length and width and height are equal. He also measured its wall, 144 cubits by human measurement, which is also an angel's measurement. This wall was built of jasper while the city was pure gold, like clear glass. Foundations of the wall of the city were adorned with every kind of jewel. He goes on to say in verse 22, I saw no temple in the city, for its temple is like the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb. The city has no need for sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and its lamp is the Lamb. 
By its light will the nations walk and the kings of the earth will bring the glory into it and its gates will never be shut by day and there will be no night there. They will bring it into glory and the honor of the nations, but nothing unclean will ever enter it, nor anyone who does, not, who does what is detestable or false, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. <laughs> Heaven is far greater than anything that you can or I could possibly imagine. There's not a movie out there that has depicted it accurate enough. There's not a, a, like a, a play that has been on this stage or any other play or any other stage that has shown the accuracy of the glories of heaven. Like it's, just, it's too good for our mind to grasp. Heaven is a place of exceptional newness. Heaven is a place of eternal comfort, right? No more death, no more tears, no more end. Heaven is a place of entire completion, perfect in every way. Heaven is a place of enormous beauty, beauty that is too hard to grasp for our, our eyes have never seen things like it. Heaven is a place of extensive reconciliation. Heaven is a place of exclusive family. Heaven is made just for the family of God. So hear this, if you're, if you're in earshot today and you don't know this Jesus, you haven't trusted in Jesus, this gift of heaven, this inheritance that is offered is not for you unless you receive Jesus, unless you acknowledge him as Lord and Savior. But I want you to hear it. If if you have, if you do trust in Jesus, if you do surrender your life over to him, it's all yours. You don't get partial inheritance. You get it all. Heaven is a place of expressive worship. We will be, we will be singing and shouting and bowing and raising our hands, clapping our hands and shouting before the holy, righteous King of all. And here's the thing, as we think about wanting to experience his gospel, we look to a hope that we have now, we look to an inheritance that we will one day get, and we, even in our hope, we look toward power, power that is given to us, like, by him, right? What is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us? Like, he, he, he shows his power. Maybe that's a better way to say it. He shows his power to us. So we're not, we're not taking random hope in him. When we call out and say, we want you to be, we need you to be our healer, guess what? Even if you're in perfect health right now, you still need him to be your healer. You, you don't just wait till one day you need him to be father. He's your father now. He's your refuge now. He's your rock now. He is Jehovah now. He is all of these things, which I love how Paul does this. It's like he just, he can't contain it in himself. He goes right from being thankful for the church to asking God to, to, dis, to show himself, to display himself in, in a like, marvelous kind of way where he just talks about how great he is. And then he's like, so now I gotta praise you. Now I've got to just, like, it's the, the natural overflow of expressing the gospel, expressing the goodness. So praise God. 
Look at verse 20, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him his head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Why would he praise God? What, what, does he, what does he have to praise God about? First, for Christ's resurrection. I hope you remember that, that Jesus didn't just come to die the death that we deserve. We had to have him do that, right? Yes, don't miss it. We needed his substitutionary death on the cross, like taking our place, atoning for our sin had to happen. But church, don't forget, Resurrection Sunday happened. <laughs> he came back to life. Thanks be to God, it gives us victory. The reason we have victory over death, the reason we go from death to life is because Jesus went from death to life. Jesus was raised from the dead. He is no longer dead. He's sitting at the right hand of the throne of God right now, demonstrating his power and his rule and his reign. This is, this is who he is, so we must praise God for his resurrection. It changed everything. This means we can live because he conquered death. We praise God because for Christ's resurrection. This is good news. In fact, this is the good news, right? When we think of the gospel, this is it. But you know what uh, I think about the theologian who said, it's only good news if it gets there in time. And there are, there are billions of people in the world today that it's not getting to. And sadly, there might even be people in your neighborhood who would not be considered unreached because they have access to the gospel and that access is you. You have this good news. And what if your neighbor lives and dies next to you but the good news never gets to them. May it not be. And may our hearts be burdened for those 3.2 billion people in the world today who have no access. Are you, are you sharing this good news? Is it on your lips? At your workplace? In, your, in, the, in school? On the, on the ball field? Do you, do you tell other people of this truth? When people ask you questions about, like, maybe, maybe class students, maybe there's someone who's asked you, are you a Christian? Do you say yes to that? Do you, are you, like, ashamed? Oh, don't be ashamed of this. This is, this is the power of God for salvation. Share this good news. Praise God for Christ's resurrection. Praise God for Christ's reign. Right? He seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, above every name that is named, not only in this age, but in the one to come. This means we don't worry because he is in control. Like that's, that's what this tells us. We don't have to worry. We don't have to fear. And like we, don't have to, we can walk through the valley of the shadow of death and we will fear no evil because he reigns. 
Death doesn't reign. Cancer doesn't reign. Anxiety doesn't reign. Depression doesn't reign. Your spouse doesn't reign. Your children do not reign. Jesus Christ alone reigns. And it is his reign that allows us to be without fear, without worry. Yes, he is the name above every other name. And this is no common name, no ordinary name. For it is at the sound of this name that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. The question is not whether or not you will bow. It's when. Will you, will you bow your knee? Yes. The question is, will you, will you do it in the here and now? Will you surrender yourself over to Christ? Or... Will it be too late? Will it be too late? You see, Jesus will not be your Savior without being your Lord. You don't, you don't, get, you don't get him to rescue you without your surrender. And to be abund abundantly clear, Jesus is Savior and he is Lord. It's simply a matter of you responding to the gift he's given. He doesn't like, you don't make him Lord. He is Lord. It's just whether or not you surrender to him and, and don't be mistaken, lordship is more than just like a boss. I understand we, we try to use those words sometimes because it helps us understand, but it's, it's far more than just being a boss. Call him Lord means I will do what you say. In fact, that's, that's the very next reality that we see. We, that he, Paul's praising God for Christ's resurrection and Christ's reign and for Christ's rule. He put all things under his feet, gave him his head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. This means we obey because he has authority, right? When Jesus said, I have all authority in heaven and on earth that's been given to me, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe everything that I have commanded. And behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So are you obeying? If you've surrendered to his lordship, if you're saying you are Lord, then are you obeying? You look at him and say, you do, you reign and you rule. You have conquered death and the grave and hell and sin. So do you look to him and say, I'll do whatever it is you say. I'll follow I'll, whatever your command is. I mean, think about it. That's, that's really Jesus' call to us, right? Follow me. Follow me. Church, I pray. I pray this will be for us. I, I certainly can and do pray these thankful prayers before our God, for our faith family. And I ask God for these things from him for us. And I praise God without a doubt for these things in Christ. But I 
add to those things. Oh God, let us see your reign and your rule in such a way that we will do whatever it takes to make your reign and your rule known to all of the earth. So your response today, how are you supposed to respond to these truths? Maybe you've never turned away from your sin. You've never trusted in Jesus for salvation. Would today be that day? Believe in him. Repent, meaning turn away from your ways, your sin. And believe, trust in Jesus for salvation. Maybe you are already a follower of Christ and you're reminded today that obedience is what is required from God to you. I don't know what that obedience particularly looks like in you today, what, what you're being called to. Maybe it's vocational ministry or mission. And you say, I need to obey God in that. Maybe it's service even here in the church. Maybe you're... Maybe obedience for you is membership here. To say, I commit to a local body of believers. You see, all of those things, you can do, you can begin making those commitments to the Lord right where you're at. But if you have questions about any of those things, or even you just want to celebrate your commitment to follow Christ, to my left here in this room, there will be some who would love to talk to you. So when we stand in just a moment, they would love to answer questions. They would love to pray with you, pray for you. So when we respond, make that your response. But all of us, all of us ought to give praise to God today because he is worthy of our worship. And he reigns and rules over us all. So he has given us much to praise him for. So would you stand with me as we respond now?